You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Victoria, welcome onto the Australian Finance Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Kate. It is wonderful to have you here as a financial counsellor, one of those resources we mention all the time on the podcast, but we've only actually spoken to one on the show in the last three or so years. So it's fantastic to have you on today. I'm very excited to be here. Can't wait. Now, you've been a financial counsellor for a few years now, and I know you're really, really passionate about your job, which is amazing. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what a financial counsellor actually does in Australia, because we mentioned it a bit, but I think people uh, don't really know the the ins and outs and when they can actually get help. Um, And maybe a little bit about what you help clients with. Awesome. So first of all, I will just acknowledge the traditional owners. So um, the land that I'm recording on is the land that I live and work on, um, the beautiful Wajak Noongar country. Um, I live right next to the Swan River, which is super significant to the Noongar people as they believe that the Wagul, the rainbow serpent from the dream time, meandered over the land and created the river. Um, And I was born on Gadigal land, so pay my respects to Gadigal mob taking care of country over there as well. Um, You know, we live on land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So financial counsellors, we are experts in a money crisis. That's pretty much it in a sentence. It's a free community-based service and it's non-judgmental. So we're not here to lecture you or criticise you. We're here to say, look, I'm really sorry that this has happened to you um, and let's see how we can work together to help you fix it. We talk about what's happened to you, what your options are, and then you decide what you'd like to do and we support you in doing that. It's such an important resource because we often feel a lot of shame around money and the decisions we make and um, it can feel very like we're going to be judged if we talk to our bank or our friends or family about um, a situation we're in. So it's fantastic to know there's resources that are going to just um, treat you equally, take everything you say and just give you some solutions. And then, as you said, um, pick something that works for you. Now, something I really wanted to touch on before we jumped into more about different types of debts and some of your best strategies for uh, getting ourselves out of them are the reasons we end up in debt in the first place. And I think it's super important that we have these conversations without any judgment or shame attached because everyone's story is different. Um, I know that as well as anybody and um, we end up in debt through many different circumstances and sometimes things completely out of our control. So I wanted to know do you see some common reasons about why we might end up in debt and if there's any ways we can work on dealing with the root cause of it so we don't sort of repeat that cycle? Yes. So I think really there's three broad categories of um, clients or situations. So we have clients who are in front of us because of a crisis 
causing event. So that is something like divorce, death, job loss, health issue, something that has had a dramatic and sudden impact on a person's ability to pay their expenses, often short term, but not always. Um, There's not too many ways that you can avoid, um, you know, generally one of those situations will only happen to you once. So it's really about minimising that. So making sure that you've got adequate insurance, that you've got legal documents in place in terms of your wills, um, binding financial agreements, anything like that is really the only way to prevent or minimise the effects of something like that. The second group is for people who really are managing on or below the poverty line, uh, and this is really not their fault. So it's people on Centrelink, people leaving a violent relationship, people waiting for an insurance payout and they're not able to work. So it's usually more a case of making do with what you have possibly over a more long-term scenario. It's really difficult for people to get out of that cycle and normally we are just supporting them to do their best. Uh, I wouldn't say that there's any way you can kind of stop yourself from being in that situation. It's just ask for help as soon as you can um, if you find yourself in that situation. And then the third category, which is really where so much growth happens for people, is is for people who are in front of us because of a problem that's come about because of um, a lack of skills or a lack of confidence. So people on wages who have issues with spending, credit cards, personal loans, buy now, pay later, and they've either got in over their head and or they're not sure how to budget. They've never done a budget before. Um, And it's really, this is a really beautiful group of clients because they often develop their skills and come through the other side and and break the cycle. And if uh, you have any listeners that are kind of thinking to themselves, oh, that's my category, I would really, you know, the fact that you're even listening to this podcast is a great start. I would be looking at, all right, what are the different budgeting techniques? What do I find that works for me? What am I doing to kind of, am I getting general counselling support? Am I working through what's driving that spending behaviour? Or am I following, you know, Instagram accounts, newsletters, those kind of services that are helping me to build those skills without me having to say too much about what's going on? And, you know, a financial counsellor will always help with the debt side of that stuff and helping you create a budget. We can do that. But only you can can get to know yourself and understand why those things are happening. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, it's a really broad range of people that you're helping. And I think sometimes people might think that they have to have um, a negative asset balance to see a financial counsellor and get help. Is there any, uh, do you have any criteria or can anyone come and ask for help? Anyone can come and ask. There might be some situations where we would have to refer them to somewhere else. That might be, for example, if they're not in financial hardship, so they've got issues with um, investing strategies or they've got issues with their investment properties in terms of structuring or tax structuring and stuff like that where they really need um, either legal financial advice or um, accountant-based help. Uh, But there's no kind of net worth cap. You know, I have clients who technically have over a million, 1.4, 1.5 million net worth, but their situation is not, you know, they're not in the positive. They are um, struggling to make those payments. And so there's not really, uh, there's nothing to stop you from coming to see us. But if we assess your situation and think that there's a a better professional that you need to see, we'll tell you. Yeah, because I can imagine in, especially in March 2020, a lot of people probably were managing quite fine. And then suddenly, Um, even the emergency fund wasn't cutting it and everything sort of happened at once. So you can sometimes feel like you're doing absolutely fine and then things suddenly go wrong out of nowhere and you're not quite prepared. So I guess this is when a financial counsellor could help or refer you in the right direction. Yes. And, you know, so much of so many financial issues are not the person's fault. And I just want to make that really clear. Like so often someone will come and see me and be like, oh, this happened and it's all my fault. And I'm like, none of this is your fault. This is just something that happened to you that we have to try and fix. You know, you didn't do, you didn't make this happen. It just happened to you. And I think people internalise that shame of, you know, oh, I should be better at money and I should have fixed this by myself and now I have to ask for help and and I'm all wound up about it. 
Yeah. And given we already struggled talking about money, probably seeing a financial counsellor and asking for help is a pretty scary first step to take. Definitely. But it doesn't have to be. We are not going to bite you. I hope. I hope no financial counsellors are out there biting their clients, but I certainly won't bite you. Um, (laughs) And, you know, sometimes if you see a financial counsellor and that it's not a good fit, like any professional, you can go and get a second opinion. You can go and see somebody else. Don't feel like the be-all and end-all is the first the first person that you meet. You know, it's like a psych. Sometimes you go and have an appointment with a psych and you've got no doubt that they're good at their job, but they're not the right person for you, and that's okay as well. Yeah, that's a good tip to, to keep in mind. You can find one that's a better fit. Now, can we dive into some of your maybe best strategies or common strategies for getting out of different types of debt? Sure. So no debt is good debt if you can't afford it. Let's just start with that. So really when you're looking at your debts and you're or you're not looking at them, you're avoiding them, um, but you're thinking about them, um, really what I would say is, and this is what a financial counsellor will do with you as well, we need to work out what's going on for you. So are you in a cycle right now where this this debt, these debts are an ongoing problem or are they debts that are left over from a situation that's resolved? Because the outcome for those two things is different because if you're in a cycle and you can't get out, you need to come and see us because we need to see the bigger picture of what's happening for you. We need to refer you to general counselling if you need it or we need to identify what what, uh, spending issue is coming in that's causing you to not be able to break that cycle. But if it's a situation that's left over or debt that's left over from a situation, the the ways that we look at solving that might be a little bit different because it's more of a a plan with an end point. Uh, Mortgages are a little bit different because they're secured. So it's really important if you're having problems paying your mortgage that you come and see a financial counsellor or you speak to your bank because that's very different to, you know, your personal loans and your credit cards that are not secured. So we normally have a few more options when it comes to those debts. If the debt is older and the situation's resolved, you're trying to get back on track, you know, we we might pick one to focus on or we might ask the bank for a long-term payment arrangement that's got lower interest or no interest or we might you might have a lump sum that comes in from your tax return and we might try and settle the debt for less than the total amount. It's very um very difficult to give strategies without knowing how the debt has come about. So it's really helpful for your financial counsellor if you've got if you've had a bit of a think about which kind of category you fall in. Uh, and the best thing that you can do to start, and this will your financial counsellor will love you if you come in with this already, but basically it's a table and along the top you have the amount that you owe, the interest rate, if there's any security. So that means if there's anything attached to the loan that the bank can take if you don't pay it so like your house or your car or your boat Um, and then the lender also things like the original amount that you borrowed and how long you've had the loan for because if you've had a loan for 15 years versus two years very different options Uh, and then excuse me on the table we also have the repayment amount how often as well, and then any notes that you want to give us. And you might find that even writing that list for yourself gives you a really clear idea of where you need to start. Sometimes the hardest part is just writing down everything that you that you owe. Um, and even if you get stuck once you've done it, taking that into your financial counsellor will save so much time and allow the financial counsellor to have a critical look at the list and say, all right, where where is going to be the best place to start and where are the potential worst outcomes if we don't start with those debts. Yeah, that's really helpful and sometimes that can be that important first step because you might not have uh, realised just how many different um, debts you've accumulated in across different providers because there's so many ways that people can get debt nowadays, which is uh, there's good and bad to that. So it can become quite um, a lot bigger than you previously thought. 
Yes. And I think it's really important as well just to work out what's important to you in your circumstances. And if you've got any easy opportunities to get rid of one or two that are on the list. So having to go and check the details helps you understand the reality. Um, but it can also help you plan really well. You know, you might you might say that there's one that's really close to being finished and then you can just put an extra 10 or $20 on that on that debt and get rid of that and then add that original repayment onto the next one. You know, you might decide, oh, look, that one's only $300 left. I'm going to sell something. Uh, I sold my food processor the other day because I don't cook. So, you know, people get so creative once they can see what needs to happen. And I think when everything's up in the air, just in your mind, it takes up so much space and just getting it down on paper and having a little bit of a look at it, it makes a huge difference. Don't underestimate how much of a difference it makes. Yeah. So if you took that table to a financial counsellor, would they then like come up with a, a detailed plan of what order you should pay these things off and whether you can get specific hardship programs with banks? Definitely. For financial counsellors, we're really looking at, okay, are any of these secured? Because generally in terms of making the payments, that's probably the priority if you want to keep the item that is security for that debt. It's also us understanding, you know, who's got different hardship programs. It shouldn't be the case, but some banks are better than others. Payday lenders are often quite difficult to get long-term hardship with uh, and buy now pay laters are at the moment really good with their hardship programs so we just kind of have that knowledge that comes from doing this over and over again every day that that most people don't have and even if you came in and you said oh this is what I was thinking for the priorities the financial counselor would say awesome this is the only other things that you need to consider yeah yeah, and it's good having that sounding board because there might be something you haven't considered or an even a better option that does reduce your payments over time. 100%. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about buy now, pay later because it does, on the outset, it does seem like quite small things because buy now, pay later, it used to start with a $100 or $200 item and it was quite manageable for people. But I know a, a recent Financial Counseling Australia report said that most clients you deal with are um having some issues with buy now pay later is there any strategies for sort of getting out of that before it starts getting into other forms of debt maybe dealing with it why like especially if people are using it in their 20s dealing with it earlier on I think what we see or certainly what I've seen is a lot of young people start with one and then they have two or three and then sometimes, you know, we've had clients who've had seven uh, and then it gets really crushing and then you start looking at those kind of payday loans or credit cards or really expensive debt consolidation services. I think, I think it really is the case of understanding what's happened. So is it that you are surviving on the poverty line? You know, are you on Ausstudy or Job Seeker and cycling through those buy now pay laters is the only thing that gets you between paydays? Um, do come and see a financial counsellor. We can have a look at different options, different utility grants, um, food relief, all of those things that might just help you break that cycle. I know for so many people, like car registration is a big one that they they just have to put on buy now pay later because there's no good alternative and we totally get that uh, if you are someone who has pretty decent income and it's just you've gotten sucked into the whirlpool and all of a sudden you're having to use buy now pay later to buy vouchers for your groceries but you know that if you didn't have all these buy now pay laters you would actually probably be okay week to week, I would really encourage you to write that list down. The good thing about buy now, pay laters is at the moment, because of all of the calls for regulation, they've been really trying to show that they can be self-regulated. And so a lot of them offer like great hardship programs, payment breaks, you know, they suspend your account and then you can just pay it off over time. So there's, they're definitely trying as they should be, and I would recommend that you take full advantage of that. You know, can you put two of them or three of them on pause and pay them down? 
But if you are so trapped that you just cannot bring yourself out, and I have heaps of young people come and see me and they've got buy now, pay later everywhere, and it's okay, like it happens, please don't um, get so caught up in blaming yourself for getting yourself into that situation that you won't come and see us because we, we've seen it. We know that it happens. We're not here to say, oh, well, you should have known better because it's not helpful and it's also not really your fault you know that they are specifically marketed to get under your skin and to enable you to continue that cycle so please come and see us if you if you know that you can't get out of it yourself um we will help you and we will not judge you for it absolutely i find some of the ads like they must be challenging to deal with because they're like oh you deserve this holiday right now use this personal loan or use this buy down pay later and it really just it tries to get you to spend that money that you you don't have immediately rather than encouraging you to save up for something and I think as well uh a lot of them advertise themselves as a budgeting tool and that Mm. I really take issue with that it's a financial product is generally not a budgeting tool it is just something that enables us to become victims of that instant gratification culture you know social media has a lot to answer for in that we look around us and see all these people doing amazing things all the highlights and we put that expectation on ourselves no one's immune goodness me like I do it and we put that pressure on ourselves to match those items or that lifestyle and it's really difficult to break yourself out of it but you will get to a point where you feel so miserable because of all of these payments coming out and the pressure that you feel on managing everything that and that's the point when you know that you're ready to break that cycle because it's it's not fun anymore and it becomes almost like that addiction style where you know that you want to stop but you can't Uh, and that's you know we're happy to intervene and help you work through that process because it's really hard to do it by yourself. Absolutely. And what about owing money to friends and family? Because it's not a financial product or service as such, but I know many of us do have loans or we loan money to friends and family. And how do you deal with this very, very personal type of debt? So difficult. Uh, I've got a client at the moment uh, carrying so much emotional damage from a a debt that hasn't been paid back to her by a family member. And it's really, it's so fraught because it's not, it's not just transactional, it's emotional and transactional. So I would kind of break it into two sections. And it's really important to say that a financial counsellor can't negotiate with your friends and family. So we That's not part of our role. So we can help you decide what you want to say or how you want to deal with it, but we can't go into bat for you on it. So I think if you have been lent money and you're in a position where you can't, you feel like you can't pay it back, it would really be questions like, are you ready to deal with the moral weight of not paying it back? You know, it will weigh on you depending on the nature of your relationship with the person. And so really thinking about what is it costing you emotionally to kind of be avoiding the person or be putting it off or um, not engaging with the conversation. But that's not to say that you can't add it onto that same table that we talked about before and add it into your priorities. And a financial counsellor will help you do that and work out the priorities Uh, And sometimes it'll be the case that we ask for hardship from a lender in order to enable you to pay back your family or friend first. Uh, I think it also depends how much the other person considers it a priority. So for some people, bank of mum, as some of my clients call it, you know, she's not charging any interest. She's able to leave it um, and not mind because she's okay. So we can leave that to the bottom of the priority list still still pay her um, or, you know, the other family member, but it's not as important as for some people, if they don't pay their sister-in-law or their brother or whomever, their best friend on their next payday, it's, it's going to create a massive divide or feud in that relationship. Uh, and I think, you know, if you've done the wrong thing, it's really hard, but if you can... 
if you can bring yourself to own up and apologize and say, look, you know, I know I haven't paid you back and I need to. And you can take that list of debts that you've written and show it to them and say, look, I've either I've done this myself or I've worked with a financial counselor. This is the list. I need to do these things before I pay you, but I have a plan to pay you back. Um, And you need to prepare yourself that they may not forgive you and they don't owe you forgiveness if you have done the wrong thing. But you should still pay it back to prove to yourself that you can uh, unless you are happy to to let that relationship lapse and you're also happy uh, carrying the weight of that decision. And you might be, and that's totally fine. Yeah. I think, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that going with a plan, I think most people like it with many things. If you actually go forward with a plan, this is what I'm going to do and they can understand the whole picture and, Maybe they don't know that you have other forms of debt and they don't know the whole picture of what you're dealing with and they think it's just them that um, is waiting for their money back. So I think that probably gives them a lot of context that in many circumstances that probably helps. Yes, and if you are thinking about lending money, I think I think it was Scott Pape that said once that you basically should expect that money lent to family and friends is a gift and not not have the expectation that it's going to get paid back. And this is a really challenging space to be in because depending on the dynamic of your relationship, you know, if there's um, a trauma basis or an emotional abuse um, basis, it can be really difficult to say no. Uh, And the only thing I can say, it won't apply in every situation, but you really need to consider if this relationship or friendship ended because I didn't get this money back, what would that mean for me? But also what would it mean for the other relationships that relate to this one? You know, are you going to have 20 friends choosing sides? Are you going to have your whole family rift, like split in half because of you lending money that then hasn't been paid back? So that those are the only kind of tips that I can give you. And there's no short of taking the person to court. There's no you know, that's not covered by the credit code. It's not, uh, there's no real basis for you to claim that money back. So it it is, I have so much, so much empathy for people that have to make these decisions because generally you love the person that is asking this of you. And sometimes saying no can cost you the relationship as well. So really challenging. I don't, Without knowing the exact situation, I can't give really specific advice, but those would be the kind of questions that I would work through if it were me. Yeah, just something maybe to spend a a bit more time reflecting on before you uh, lend or accept the money, um, potentially there, because there may be long-term repercussions for doing so or not doing so, which uh, is worth thinking about. Now, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, because um, talking about different debts, maybe we have a whole list of debts And sometimes it's not an easy fix. It's not going to happen. It's not just a thousand dollars that maybe can be paid back in a couple of years. And it's turned into like a giant mountain of, because personal loans can get pretty big. How do you deal with, I don't know if you have clients that deal with this, but balancing still living life and learning and sort of spending time with friends and family and not just completely um, not spending any money for years, but still like balance living a life with paying back a huge amount of debt? I think it's really important. A lot of people reach the point where they're like, okay, I'm ready to do something about this. And then they they come to a financial counsellor or they do the numbers and they realise how long it's going to take and it can be really devastating. And what I always try and say to clients is you didn't get into all of your debt in one day and you will not get out of it in one day. You know, it's a slippery slope down to where you are and it's a hard climb up. But, you know, we can have rests along the way and we can add snacks for the journey, you know, and it will be okay. And so it's really around there's a few different things. So it depends what the debts are. So if we were talking about a whole heap of unsecured debt, so, for example, personal loans, credit cards, buy now, pay later and payday loans, Again, starting with that table and coming to the order. So which one's getting paid off first, but also are we paying all the minimums 
on all of them at once or are we asking for some breaks on some to get ahead on the others? Um, there is a uh, industry and government funded debt consolidation agency that we can sometimes use as well. It's called Way Forward. They do great work. Uh, and But I also think as well, wherever possible, it's to build in a reward system for yourself. So whether that is some clients are really lucky they have enough income that once we kind of sort out the repayments we can also work into the future as well so we would set up a separate savings account and we would be adding to that at the same time which is goal focused so it's not just called savings mm -hmm. very very anti basic account names not a vibe for me you will not be coming to me and have, sitting down and saying this is my three savings accounts i will cry um, <laughs> You know, what's important, what are you, when you get out of debt, what are you driving towards? Is that a car? Is that a holiday? Is that uh, retirement? Is it, uh, goodness me, starting a sport? It could be anything, saving up for a deposit. And so we name that account aligning with something that's important to you. So even if we are only putting $5 in there a week, just to show that as much as we're taking care of the past, we're also building that future at the same time. For some clients, it's treating yourself every time a debt's paid off. They prefer that method. It really depends on your psychology and how your reward mechanisms work. And generally, a financial counsellor will try and understand that about you because that's what keeps you on track, right? And um, I think really it's, it's very difficult because it depends on the budget. But if you are paying, for example, if you're able to manage all of the repayments on your current wages... It's like, okay, every time you pay one off, the amount, let's say that your repayments were $50 a week for that debt and you finish it, okay, so let's move 25 of that to your savings goal and spend 25 of it every week because we're, we're not making any difference to the bottom line. It's just repurposing that money that you were already, I call it practice saving, paying down debt. It's a practice saving because once you've done it for that long, you're used to not having that money. So yeah. there's so many options uh, and it's really about thinking what what's going to get your dopamine going? Is it putting a little bit into your savings, whatever that goal is, or is it treating yourself every time or is it getting hardship on one of the loans so that we free up a little bit of income for you to actually spend on yourself every week because that's the only thing that's going to keep you on track? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to have something you're not just working towards paying off the debt, you're also working towards your financial future at the same time, whether that's through saving, maybe it's even just investing $5 a month so you get the feel for it and you feel like you're moving um, in a positive direction. Because I could imagine it's it could be a little bit demotivating to pay off debt for three years and then at the end of that you've just paid off the debt and you haven't sort of got any savings for a holiday or anything like that. So I can see how maybe um, putting a little bit of this money aside for saving or investing or learning or whatever you want to do um, could be quite good. So then when three or five years has gone past, you've paid off the debt, you've also got something else there too. Definitely. And sometimes it's the only thing that allows people to keep going with the plan because if it's really just a case of, oh, well, and sometimes it's not three years, sometimes it's seven or 10, you know, some of these personal loans like, you know, your long-term payment arrangement is 10 years. And to think to yourself, oh, well, in 10 years' time, I'm going to be back at zero, uh, is you almost don't want to start because yeah. the journey is so long and you can't see the, you, the reward seems different because it's not a gain, it's just not a loss. Uh, and yeah. so wherever possible, I always try and build in some kind of, future-proofing or reward mechanism so that people actually get to take joy and excitement in the process rather than just grinding it out. Yeah, I think that's super important. So you do have that positive thing to, to look forward to as well. And um, I know I've spoken to some listeners before who use the, even if it's just, if it's a couple of years they're working towards paying off debt, they'll use that time to just learn as much as possible so that when they, they are ready to start on the front foot and start investing and saving for their future, they, they've got all the learning done, so they're ready to start ASAP. It's amazing. And it's, you know, once you start trusting yourself that you are along the journey and that those debts are getting paid off, 
the amount of brain space that you have to start to start thinking about what you really want from the future because I think for a lot of people their debt gets so overwhelming that they can't see forward they can't see the way out and so they avoid thinking about what the future might look like for them and so when they we finalize all the repayment plans and they've got their kind of schedule and everything it's amazing the freedom that it gives their brain to actually think about okay well what am I going to what am I going to prep myself for for the next couple of years and then hit the ground running it's very exciting yeah awesome and I know you mentioned before about some of the institutions and the lenders having different hardship programs and things but um are there any like I guess it falls into categories they might have different programs whether it's a pause or extend the repayment are you able to give an overview of some of the hardship options available at different lenders yes so there will be some big banking words in here which I will do my best my best to break down so we have what's called a moratorium which is basically a payment break so that might be one month three months six months very occasionally 12 months where the bank says okay yep you don't need to make payments for this time Uh, that does have an impact on your credit reporting it's important to note that pretty much most of these options will have an impact on your credit report Um, but and also your interest still accrues on the more generally during a moratorium so that's a moratorium which is a payment break We can also negotiate things like a reduced interest or no interest period or very occasionally reduced or no interest for the life of the loan and just repay the remaining principal and um, accrued interest, which is the interest that you've already uh, added onto the loan. Uh, We can sometimes apply for a debt waiver or a partial waiver, which is where we ask the creditor to cancel your debt or to cancel some of it, uh, which is if you've often what we use if you've had a massive permanent change to your life circumstances. So if you have an injury and you can no longer work for the rest of your life, we would generally be approaching creditors for a waiver. there's what's called capitalization. So that's often um, for a mortgage. So basically, if you've had a period of non-payment and you have an overdue amount, that's called your arrears. Basically, the bank, if you can show for six months that you can make the minimum payment, your bank will take that overdue amount and they will add it to the end of your loan for you so that you're no longer overdue. And that um, means that your credit reporting returns to normal, although it wouldn't have been normal for the time that you were not making payments. Uh, So there is also the opportunity to surrender your security. So what that means is the car or boat or house that is held against your loan, you can decide that you don't want to keep that anymore and you can give it up and the bank will uh, sell that or the lender will sell that for you and they'll either uh what's called goodness me so much language what's called realize a shortfall which means that what they manage to sell it for is not as much as you owe and then we have to negotiate that part um or they sometimes sell it for more and if they do they have to give you the the balance back um some of the other options that a financial counselor will do is we will assess your loan documents to make sure that the lender has a uh done their due diligence in making sure that they've lended to you in a responsible way under the National Credit Code. Uh, and often there is also the option to get a support letter from your bank to take your super out. So that's normally only in the case of a mortgage. It's quite a process. Uh, so um, financial counsellors, we, we're not big fans of people taking their super out, very much an option of last resort. But if you are in a dire situation in your bank and you can show that apart from this overdue amount, you could maintain your mortgage, your bank can come back with a letter that you can take to your super fund to take some of your super out. So that's just a that's just a surface level of some of the options that a financial counsellor might work through with you. Yeah, I think that that list just goes to show the importance of actually going to see a financial counsellor because it would take a long time to Google all of this. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> and even know which one's right for you. So, um, yeah, thanks for running us through that. And I think that just sort of goes to show financial counsellors are great. They know what they're doing and you should make use of them. And they're free. Did we mention that? <laughs> we are free, yes. 
Um, one of the listener questions I got through in the lead up to this episode was just asking you a bit about some of your best client stories or successes or the ones that uh, made you the happiest to go home that evening from. Yes. So I have a few. I have a few that will stay with me forever. I think my favorite clients are always the ones that that are in it for the grind with you. You know, we financial counsellors are, we will walk beside you. We cannot lead you down the path. We walk next to you. So any any client that is like full cop on that journey and they're getting the documents for you and they're doing the financial statements and they're committed to the process, they, they generally get such a good outcome because you've got two people working so hard together uh, I've just come to the end of two 14-month two cases, so that's a very long time for a case. Uh, and for different reasons, we had to fight tooth and nail to keep both of their family homes. So one of my clients wasn't opening his mail, all of his utilities were outstanding, rates, water, electricity, everything. And it was he came uh, with a family member, and it was a team effort to get him to trust me. He did not. He did not believe in the process. He did not trust me at all, uh, and that was okay. Um, you know, everybody was helping him on this journey. His family was helping. His kids were in on the fight. You know, we were fighting the bank. We were fighting his demons. We were fighting the postie. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> and we kept his house. We kept it. And, you know, he's not missed a mortgage repayment in nine months. His utilities are on payment arrangements. His rates is on an arrangement. And he's like a different person. Um, and when I got that call from the bank to say that they were approving capitalization, like I just put my head down on my desk and cried because it you know it was such a journey for mm. all of us and it really you know it really sometimes takes a village and it was just such a beautiful moment because for about four or five months none of us thought that we were going to get get over the line and that we thought that the bank was going to take the house mm. um, and we were preparing for that scenario and to come out the end of it you know that's over a year of our of our lives that we have invested together in this problem and it's just it was just <laughs> I can't I get goosebumps even saying the story because it was so yeah. beautiful to to come and for him to trust himself in making those repayments and taking accountability and just writing a budget with his family and sticking to it and just being able to show the bank like this man is committed to keeping his house and and then finally coming to the party. I love that. Oh, I love so that. Good. <laughs> that gave me chills too. Yeah. And yeah. I think that sometimes people think, oh, you know, a financial counsellor is just going to help me write a budget or they're going to, you know, give me a food voucher or something. But the work is so dynamic and every client is so different and so um there's so much in every person that we see and that's why we have no judgment is because we have seen everything from, you know, a person who just needs a, a five-minute call to their electricity company to these clients where, you know, over a year sometimes we have clients for three years and responsible lending cases and it's really just, you know, financial counsellors are pretty special people. Yeah, I think so. I just think that's why it's so important to be kind to everyone when you're talking about money and having those conversations because you just don't know someone's story you don't everyone's got stuff they're dealing with in the background and um I think if we dealt with these conversations of less judgment and people would feel a lot less shame and would get the help earlier because I imagine you've seen circumstances where if someone had come to you maybe five years earlier it would have been a lot easier to deal with something five months sometimes yeah. so I've had clients come to me and they've got a sheriff's notice for to seize to seize the property and at that point it, the options are so limited mm -hmm. you know it's gone so far and if they had been been able if they had known that financial counsellors existed or they had um been able to bite the bullet and just come and see us we would have had so many more options available you know I've, i there's been so many times that i've had to say to a client i i can't save your house I can't save your house. And that is a horrible thing to have to say to someone. You know, you can imagine how it would be to be on the receiving end of that statement. Mm. Um, and 
you know, that's the the wins and the losses of the jobs, but of the job, sorry. But if you if you can be brave and you can just think, oh my goodness, like this is gonna suck and I'm gonna hate it, but I'm gonna do it anyway, there just might be so many options that you're that you're not even aware of. And I I have this little statement that sits on my desk on my screen at work and it says, you know, treat every person as though their favorite person has just died. And that because sometimes they have. And sometimes a client comes in and they're they're awful and they're they're resistant and they're mean. Um, and then you finally crack them and they've had so much trauma that has brought them in front of you and they don't want to be there. They don't want to ask you for help. And um it's really, oh my goodness, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> it's really um so so important to treat people with that kindness when they're talking about their money or if someone mentions um, something that's happened to them, you know, you just cannot know what it has cost that person to tell you that. And just because it's never happened to you and just because you think that you might deal with that situation differently, um, that information that a person has shared with you is, is a precious treasure that you need to protect and not smash on the ground. Yeah. yeah, I think that's an important one to keep in mind that we we do love giving advice and sort of if a friend shares that, um, jumping with our response, but uh, it might not be the most suitable response, especially because you mentioned all the different hardship options. There may be something a lot more suitable. So maybe if you give your two cents, but also mention that financial counsellors exist, that's probably a better option there. Definitely. Now, if someone listening to this has been struggling with debt or they've got a loved one, um, going through some tr- challenges with their finances and they are willing to be brave and vulnerable and talk to a financial counsellor, where's the best place to start? So the National Debt Helpline is great, 1-800-007-007. If it's really good because they often don't take cases on. It's more of an information-based service. But if you just need to have a chat about what your options are and you think that once you know the options, you can go for gold or you think, I'm just going to dip my toe in the water and see what it's like to speak to a financial counsellor before I go and see one, they're awesome. I love the NDH team. Shout out to my WA team. Oh, just amazing. And they are doing a trial booking service in WA at the moment where they can actually make an appointment for you. So they also have a national map on their website of where the financial councillors are closest to you. Financial councillors are normally state restricted. Um, So the other thing that I'll say is be patient. Financial councillors are notoriously busy people. I have a rule with my clients that they're not allowed to call me unexpectedly because I don't answer. Um, If they need to speak to me, they need to email me and I will call them as soon as I can. But because of the nature of the work is I just don't often have time to answer my phone. Um, And if they don't leave a message, like I don't know who to call. So if you, uh, if you, need a financial counsellor, you can ring around and book an appointment, leave some messages, be patient for a callback. Otherwise, you can call the NDH and speak to someone pretty much straight away just to get an idea of your options. They also have great information on their website. They've got fact sheets, they've got credit reporting, bankruptcy, heaps and heaps of stuff. Yeah. So if you're someone who likes to source all the information before you talk to someone, it's a good place to go. So you can can know the lingo and know what questions to ask as well. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to leave listeners with today? The other sticky note that I have on my laptop screen at work is a quote and it says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if someone is sharing with you part of their story, my best advice is to just listen and then ask questions. Okay, like what have you tried? What are you thinking you want to do? You know, as humans, it's in our nature to try and solve problems, especially when they are from people that we love. Um, It's inherent. We can't help it. And so really just letting someone holding space for someone and letting them know that you care without jumping in to solve the problem straight away is a really, really powerful tool. And you'll find that it increases 
the quality of your relationships massively. You know, sometimes people just want to whinge about their relationship. They don't want advice about it or Mm. about their work situation. And that would be, it's so, so, so important for money. Money is so sensitive. It shouldn't be, but it is. And so really um, hold hold that conversation gently in your hands and, um, yeah, just be really careful about jumping in with, with advice if that's not what the person wants. And you can ask them, um, you know, do you need me to listen or would you like me to give you options? Um, and that in itself is really powerful. But, yeah, wow. keep keep talking about money. You know, it's important. I love that. And if you've, we've shared a lot of resources and I'll put them in the show notes, but if people wanted to follow along with your journey as well, where should they go? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is at bad.bitch.money um, and my, my premise is to basically help you know your worth and get your money's worth because those things are two very, very um, closely related things. And, you know, we have a lot of fun on there and we have some tips and, and just normalise that a lot of people are in hardship with their money and you probably wouldn't even know about it. So, yeah, come along. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on the Australian Finance Podcast today and sharing all of your wonderful wisdom and tips with my listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Kate, and all the best. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.